accurate blue-collar theology to shield the mind, body, and spirit. This is Full Armor Radio. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Full Armor Radio. I am your host, Brandon Lockridge. And for those of you simply listening to the podcast right now, I want to let you know that we're doing something a little different in this episode. I've actually set up a camera in front of my face here, uh, a, a face, might I add, uh, that is perfect for radio. Um, and I am video recording this episode. Um, this is a first for Full Armor Radio, and uh, the question would be, why am I doing this? Well, I've had a number of listeners ask over the years if I'd ever pop uh, some of these episodes up on YouTube, Um, and I've toyed with the idea a little bit uh, over that time, and I finally decided to go for it. So uh, Full Armor Radio will officially have its own YouTube channel. Uh, Of course, uh, in our increasingly hostile environment where conservative Christian voices are tolerated less and less, not sure uh, how long it will all last, but we will see. Um, it's been a while since I've recorded an episode. Uh, I believe that the last one was at the end of June and we're now in December. Uh, so, um, we're going to pick right up where we left off though, uh, right where we left off in our study of the Belgic confession. So for those of you who have been tuning into the program fairly consistently, you'll remember that we started our study of the Belgic confession, um, a handful of episodes ago, I believe it was. Um, and uh, in our last episode, we talked about Article 2 of the Belgic Confession, which dealt with general and special revelation. Uh, remember, uh, just as kind of a quick overview here, um, a recap, uh, general revelation is the book of creation, wherein creation itself proves of a creator, Uh, And special revelation is the book of scripture, wherein scripture testifies to God, not only as creator, but also as redeemer through his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, I would encourage you to please go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already. Uh, Today, we're going to be looking at article three of the confession, and the title of this article is of the written word of God, of the written word of God. Um, This article essentially answers the question, how did God's word come to be? Um, So without further delay, let's go ahead and we'll read article three, and uh, then we will discuss it. So article three says the following. We confess that this word of God was not sent nor delivered by the will of man, but that holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, as the Apostle Peter says, and that afterwards God, from a special care which he has for us and our salvation, commanded his servants, the prophets and apostles, to commit his revealed word to writing, and he himself wrote with his own finger the two tables of the law. Therefore, we call such writings holy and divine scriptures. Okay, so the first point that the confession makes here in Article 3 is that the word of God did not come by the will of men. 
Uh, in other words, this is not man-made stuff that we're dealing with here. And when we pick up the scriptures, we are dealing with God's word, his actual words. Um, and uh, this is uh, outlined here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, where it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So scripture obviously stating here that God himself is the author of holy scripture. In fact, uh, this first sentence of article three quotes almost directly from second Peter chapter one, verse 21, which says, and I'm actually going to go to back to verse 20 and then go through verse 21. Uh, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Now, here's verse 21. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So you can see that uh, Debray, uh, Guy Debray, who's the author uh, the primary author of the Belgic Confession basically is quoting Second uh, Peter here uh, in Article Three of the Confession. Now, I want to mention something about this phrase "carried along" because it says there in Second Peter uh, chapter one, verse twenty-one, uh, but but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So, um, this is the same verb. That, that phrase carried along. It's the same verb that is used in Acts 27, chapter 27, verse 15, with the word driven in the account of the shipwreck of Paul. So I want to read that real quick. Acts 27, 15 says, And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Okay, so driven along there in Acts 27, 15, carried along in uh, 2 Peter 1, 21, same verb that's used there. Uh, Daniel Hyde, in his commentary on the Belgic Confession, says this concerning this language that's being used here. It says, by analogy, just as the ship had to put its sail up and allow the wind to drive it where it willed, so too, the writers of scripture set their pens to begin writing all the while they were being led by the Holy Spirit. So the prophets and apostles that wrote the scriptures were not simply robots <clears throat> that were being overtaken by the, by the spirit as if they had gone into you know, some sort of trance or something and they just started writing uh, and they had no idea what they were doing, right? Um, and also, uh, kind of uh, on the other side of that, they weren't merely, you know, just looking at opposite ends of the spectrum here. They weren't merely receiving some sort of personal uh, internal uh, word from God that they uh, then went on to interpret uh, for, you know, whatever they wanted. And they just write what they felt was the proper interpretation, right? There was a sort of a middle ground there where uh, they were being inspired by the Holy Spirit uh, exactly what to write. 
and they were being carried along by the Spirit in their writing, but they were also injecting uh, their own personal style and character into their writings. Um, Now, one of the objections uh, that is raised by the skeptic is the fallacy of circular reasoning. Uh, The objection goes something like this. So they kind of say, whoa, hold on. Uh, Wait a minute. Time out here. Uh, You're essentially telling me uh, that the Bible is God's word because the Bible says it's God's word. Now, doesn't that seem a little bit illogical? (laughs) And uh, theologian J.V. Fesco has an essay that he wrote for the Gospel Coalition, and I thought it would be good to consider his answer to this this very objection. Uh, And it's somewhat lengthy, but I'm going to focus on a particular section to read through, and I'll provide uh, some comments as as I go along here. Um, So uh, the the uh, this portion of the essay I'm going to read starts uh, this way. It says, um, but such an understanding of God's word might lead people to believe that they are running in an intellectual circle. That's kind of that circular reasoning I mentioned there. Uh, the Bible is God's word because the Bible says so. That's that's what Fesco says. He um, continues. Um, are there not so? Uh, are there not many so-called holy books that claim divine origins? Posing these questions, right? Uh, how do we set apart the Bible's teaching from similar claims? Right. So he's raising some good questions that the uh, the skeptic would bring up. And here's his answer: To confirm the authenticity of the Scripture's self-attesting character, Protestant theologians have historically appealed to the doctrine of internal witness of the Holy Spirit. What is that? Well, the Westminster Confession, for example, notes that there are many noteworthy things about the scriptures, the efficacy of the doctrine, the heavenly nature of its matter, the beauty of its style, the consent of its various parts, meaning that all of scripture testifies to the rest of scripture. There's nothing as contradictory in scripture uh, and its perfections. The confession, nevertheless, asserts that while all of these things abundantly demonstrate that the Bible is the Word of God, quote, and now he quotes the confession, and this is from um, uh, chapter one of the confession. I can't remember which article it is. I didn't uh, make note of that here, but uh, he quotes the confession here, which says, our full persuasion and assurance, oh, this is uh, paragraph five, so chapter one, paragraph five of the Westminster Confession, says, quote, Our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority thereof is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit bearing witness by and with the word in our hearts. So in other words, the, the Protestant theologians and the writers of the Westminster Confession, the, the Westminster divines, said, look at, uh, you know, the, the Bible is... Uh, we we can say a lot of wonderful things about it, the efficacy of its doctrine, the heavenly nature of its matter, the beauty of its style, the consent of its various parts and its perfections, right? All that stuff is true and good. But at the end of the day, we're only going to be persuaded that the scriptures are indeed the scriptures, that they are indeed the words, the very words of God, because the Holy Spirit within us is going to testify to the truth of that fact that they are God's words. And so uh, Fesco goes on to say, in other words, 
fallen sinners will never humbly submit to the word of God. Rather, the Holy Spirit must first convict sinners of their need for repentance so that they will trust in Christ for their salvation. Once the Spirit has uh, tamed our sinful hearts, we no longer come to the scriptures with malice and rebellion, but as hungry children seeking bread from our Heavenly Father. It's beautiful language. That's why I wanted to read this because... Fesco does such a wonderful job here. But beyond his work of regeneration and effectual calling, the Spirit positively enables us to trust in God's Word and gives us assurance in the face of doubt that God assuredly speaks to us through the pages of Holy Scripture. The Spirit works in concert with the written Word of God to convince us of its truthfulness. So, the point here that Fesco and the Westminster Confession make is really key to understanding this truth of Scripture's self-testimony. And just, again, to kind of reiterate it in my own words, um, basically what's being said here is that in addition to Scripture testifying of itself, we as Christians uh, possess the Holy Spirit, which also testifies to the truthfulness of Scripture. Um, the Spirit testifies within us that these are indeed the words of God. Um, the, unregenerate per, the unregenerate person is always going to uh, view Scripture's self-testimony as circular reasoning because they don't have the Holy Spirit within them also testifying to the truthfulness of Scripture. All right, so um, we made it through the first sentence of Article 3. Awesome. Um, let's continue on. Um, the first half of the next sentence says, and that after, so quote, and that afterwards God from a special care, which he has for us and our salvation commanded his servants, the prophets and apostles to commit his revealed word to writing. Uh, so the confession here is simply acknowledging, uh, that the word of God was not merely spoken, but so as to preserve uh, the the word spoken, it was also committed to writing. Uh, then it says that, quote, he himself wrote with his own finger, he being God, he himself wrote with his own finger the two tables of the law. So this is a reference to Exodus chapter 31 in verse 18, where it says, quote, and he gave to Moses when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tables of the testimony, ta- uh, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Uh, and then the article ends by saying, there, quote, therefore, we call such writings holy and divine scriptures. So why do we call them holy and divine? Because of everything just mentioned before this. That is, that these are not merely words of men, but these are indeed the very words of God. Okay, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Full Armor Radio. I I really want to uh, thank all you listeners for your continued support. Uh, I appreciate every one of you, and I will uh, keep keep this podcast going. I... I, um, that's not to say that it's going to go on forever, of course, but uh, it is something that I enjoy. And and although um, it's 
inconsistent. <laughs> I, I promised that I would be consistently inconsistent uh, a handful of episodes ago, and so I've stayed true to that. But um, I will continue to produce uh, content as much as I can. Um, and I'm really excited uh, about uh, you know putting these up on YouTube and kind of getting that YouTube content going. Uh, and I, I hope to continue uh, producing for for YouTube. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode, uh, please share it around, whether it's the YouTube video of this episode or just the uh, audio podcast. Um, all your shares and likes and subscriptions to the YouTube channel are much appreciated. And um, thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Full Armor Radio, and we will see you on the next one. God bless. God bless.